Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and transcendent power touches earth in humble grace just here, right now, where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country. We gather for worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and around the globe by internet, WBUR.org, from Sao Paulo to Shanghai to Saskatoon. The, we invite you this day to provide, as you are moved, your prayerful and emailed responses, your gifts and service as you are moved, and as the Spirit does commend to you your presence with us for worship on Sunday. On this Sunday, we honor the memory of Martin Luther King, Jr., in this chapel and before this plaza in nearby his memorial. And to help us to do that, we have with us as our guest preacher, Ms. Elizabeth Siwo Okundi Jones, friend, colleague, chaplain, and chapel associate who has been with us before. Since that time, she has been married, so we greet also her newlywed husband, Mr. Gregory S. Jones and all other newlyweds who may be present or listening this day too. Toward the conclusion of this service, we shall provide announcement and prayer and opportunities for service and generosity with regard to the Haitian tragedy of the last several days. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, let us stand in the praise of God.
Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshiped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Life, mercy, life everlasting, three gifts which lie far beyond our poor power to add or detract. Life, mercy, eternal life, which we may share by grace. This and every Lord's Day we pause to receive with confidence, with happiness, the gift of God's pardoning love. Approaching such grace with humility, we pause in silence during the singing of our Kyrie for our individual and collective prayer of confession. Let us pray. Scripture reads, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are given varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray responsively verses from Psalm 36 with the Antiphon. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. All people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. O oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your salvation to the upright of heart. Now, beloved, rise up, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo and the reading of the Gospel. of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been visiting to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, 
do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. To God, who is great and powerful, glorious, splendid, and majestic, to those who came before us and are here with us today in spirit, to the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, Dean of Marsh Chapel, for so graciously extending to me this invitation to preach, to the ministers, members, and visitors of Marsh Chapel who are joining us here at the chapel through the radio, internet, and podcast, to members of the Inner Strength Gospel Choir with whom I've had the pleasure of serving for the past five years as chaplain, to my husband Gregory S. Jones for his support. As we consider the lectionary text of John chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 about the wedding in Cana, may we focus on verses 3 through 5 which read as follows. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I would like to preach from the topic, the hour has come. The hour has come. May we pray. Dear God, I pray that I will be a servant to you. I pray that we will be able to receive a word from you, however difficult or challenging it may be. I pray that I speak not a word more nor a word less than that which you have given me to preach. Amen. Journey with me to the town of Cana, which some believe is in the present day Israel or Lebanon. It is in the town of Cana that we experience the details of a wedding. A woman receives a wedding invitation. Although John does not name her, we know that the woman is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And at the bottom of Mary's invitation is a note that says, by the way, we hear that your son Jesus is 30-something years old and has not yet found a wife. Do bring him so that he can find himself a nice young woman. Feel free to bring some of his handsome, semi-employed buddies as well. Mary's husband is already dead, and as some people believe, so on her RSVP card she writes, one Mary, one Jesus, 12 buddies of Jesus. Now that's an RSVP of at least 14 people from just one household, enough to make any bride in the USA gasp with despair. Do you divide up the disciples, squeeze them all at one table, or tell Jesus to pick his pal Thomas or a beloved disciple and forget about the rest? Well, luckily for Mary, weddings in Cana are a week-long, community-wide affair celebrating the marriage of two families, quite similar to many present-day African weddings in which it is not unusual to welcome hundreds or even thousands of guests. So Mary and her crew put on their best clothes, head for the wedding celebration, 
And thus far, we know nothing about this wedding except that it takes place in Cana, and Mary, Jesus, and Jesus' 12 buddies are among the invited guests. We don't even know who's getting married. We don't know anything about the bride's dress, and what of her color scheme? Did the family go with persimmon or moss or sunshine orange? Are the flowers calla lilies, Gerber daisies, or roses? Is the cake red velvet or individual cupcakes? Who's the maid of honor? How many bridesmaids, flower girls, and what about the groom and the groomsmen? Since we at Mars Chapel, unfortunately, did not receive the invitation, we only know about it from our informant, John. And John is not saying too much except that there's an issue with the wine. More specifically, the wine has run out. Other people believe that it's not wine, but it's beer or even grape juice. But whatever the case, the drink of choice has run out. But with 14 guests or more per family, it's no wonder that it happens. But luckily, it seems that the bridegroom, the wedding planner, and even the caterer are not yet aware of the pending disaster. Only a few servants and Mary know about this crisis. But of all the guests at this wedding, how did Mary, of all people, find out about the situation? Did she witness the last glass being served? Did she overhear the servants whispering among themselves about it? Did she look shocked as she saw the expressions on the faces of the servants? Or did she just simply inquire what was the matter? However it is that Mary finds out, Mary is very much part of her culture, and she knows that this wine situation is serious, and if it is not immediately addressed, then the family will be shamed, and the honor of the family will be destroyed. In Cana, to run out of the wine shows that the family is ill-prepared to host a wedding, and that they do not have the proper networks. Without intervention, friends, this wedding will be remembered as that wedding. Just imagine the conversation. Do you remember that wedding that we attended? Oh, which one? The one where the wine ran out? Oh, that wedding. Not exactly the way that the family wants the wedding to be recalled. Honor is something that is hard to regain once it is destroyed. And Mary understands very well the importance of honor for just some 30 years earlier. She was a teenager who became pregnant with her first child under some very suspicious circumstances. Some people were still wondering about this child named Jesus. So as Mary is thinking about this wine situation, she knows that even without cell phones and the internet, shameful news travels fast. Not being one to gossip, Mary tells the servants, wait a minute, don't talk about this just yet. I'll be right back. She quickly squeezes past all of the other guests, locates her son Jesus, quietly pulls him away from the dance floor, and brings him back to the servants' area. Jesus, indeed, was dancing. The buddies of Jesus, they just tag along because wherever Jesus goes, they go also. And Jesus, the poor man has no idea why his mother is pulling him away from all of the fun, all of the celebration, all of the free food, and bringing him to the servants' area. Quietly and calmly, but nearly out of breath, Mary says to her son, they have no wine. Now Jesus is thinking to himself, my mother pulled me away from the celebration only to tell me that the wine has run out. 
Perhaps in an attempt to return to the celebration, Jesus gives a response that baffles many of us today. He says, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? Jesus calls her woman, not mother or mama or even ma. Hmm. Whether or not the term is respectful is a debate that I'll leave to the scholars. But his overall response sounds rude. And in some cultures, it's called talking back. You never talk back to your mother. In the least, for fear of hearing and feeling the legendary, don't think you're too old for me to dot, dot, dot. When Jesus says, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? He's essentially saying, this is none of your business. This is none of my business. This is none of our business. Jesus knows his mother well enough to understand that implied in her original statement of they have no wine is a request for action. Mary wants him to do something. But Jesus interrupts her thoughts by saying, my hour has not yet come. Hour for what? What does Jesus mean? Whatever it is that he means, he makes it clear that he is not ready or maybe not willing to be involved in this situation, at least not at the present moment. But Mary pays Jesus no mind, for she recalls the moment that her son was born and the messages that he would be special. She recalls when he ran off as a child and was found at the temple after she and Joseph searched long and hard for him. She recalls that even at that young age, Jesus seemed to talk back when he responded, why are you searching for me? Did you not know that I was at God's house? She recalls that he then became obedient to his parents increased in wisdom, years, divine favor, and divine knowledge. She recalls that right before the wedding, Jesus was baptized by John, gained a large following, and 12 of them were right there at the wedding. Although Jesus says that his hour has not yet come, Mary knows better, and in her mind, the hour has come. She says to the servants, do whatever he tells you, Jesus initially resists Mary when she tells him about the situation, but he eventually, he eventually takes action. And the result of his action is very simple. The party continues, and the host is spared shame and embarrassment. Beloved, many of us get caught up in whether or not Jesus actually changes the water into wine, or if this story advocates drinking alcohol excessively, and we know the dangers of alcohol abuse. Or even if this story is about a miracle or a sign. But if we dare to think beyond such age-old debates, then we can begin to understand the depth of what happened at this wedding in Cana. Jesus had a plan for his life, a timeline of how and when and where things would happen. But at this wedding, this situation seemed to throw him off a bit, to the point where he says to the people around him, my hour has not yet come. With encouragement from his mother, Jesus takes action at the wedding, and only a few people witness it. It was not a huge miracle where the masses of people were seeing what was going on. Only the few people who knew about the problem were the ones who witnessed it. And it caused his disciples to believe in him. This became the official start of his public ministry. And although Jesus did not initially want to be involved, his actions declared boldly 
the time has come. Many of us can relate to how Jesus must have felt when his mother approached him about the wedding situation. For we too make plans for our lives, only to find our plans interrupted by the everyday events and circumstances. You see, the wine running out at the wedding was not a matter of life or death, nor was it a worldwide crisis. No, it was an ordinary, everyday matter. It was a matter of being able to take action in the midst of ordinary, everyday situations. Many of us are still waiting for the right time to take action in the ordinary, everyday situations that shame us and our communities. Situations like discrimination, the rich having access to everything while the poor suffer, lack of access to health care, the mistreatment of immigrants, homelessness, dismissal of orphans and widows, unnecessary wars. Some of these situations are matters of life and death, and yet we cry out, what concern is that to me? What concern is that to my family? My time has not yet come. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday we celebrate tomorrow, once said that the time is always right to do what is right. The Civil Rights Movement was a response to everyday injustices. But Reverend Dr. King and others became involved in the lives of ordinary people, just like Jesus did when he intervened at the wedding. And in both cases, it often took the encouragement and the support and the leadership of women and others who were able to gently say to that would-be leader, the hour has come. So, beloved, must it take a tragedy for us to act? Must we ourselves be directly impacted? Must the wine run out and shame us? Must our patience, our money, and our time run out. For what or for whom are we waiting? Beloved, the hour has come. Amen.
beloved, please be seated. More than 100 years ago, Oliver Wendell Holmes heard a sermon in Cambridge across the river. In his journal later that day, he placed five magnificent words. I applied it to myself. We gather now to apply the good word to our own lives, to enter a time of quiet, meditation, reflection, and prayer. We invite you to pray as you are moved, to stand, to kneel, to sit. Come into this sacred moment as you are accustomed and as you are led. As together we sense again the deep, the subterranean rivers of our common human life, let us pray. We lift our hearts as they are. This week, this hour, our hearts teem with sorrow. Sorrow for life lost in natural violence. Sorrow for young life maimed, hurt. Sorrow for sudden, tragic, lasting separation. Sorrow for and with all far or near who have suffered and do suffer especially this hour through the Haitian earthquake. Our hearts bear witness to anger, anger at disordered mayhem in creation, anger at random injustice 
among the least and the last. Anger at surges of violent power we neither understand nor accept. Anger at crippling pain. Our hearts seek peace. Peace one day built on an infrastructure of justice. Peace sought in an infrastructure of trust. Peace shared in an infrastructure of humility. Peace like a river to mend and heal. Our hearts hold a gratitude for love, love in hand and cup to soothe and save, love in service to another without or with creed, love to remind us who we can be, who we might just be, we six billion siblings, we. Love seen and sensed in moments of adult responsibility. In quiet we know sorrow, in meditation we feel anger. In reflection, we hunger for peace. In prayer, right now, we honor love. For we pray in the presence in the name of Christ, who taught his disciples to say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you this morning and in our service of celebration of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and give thanks to uh, Elizabeth Siwo Kundi Jones for her bringing the word to us uh, on this special morning. We would note that tomorrow is the university-wide celebration of Dr. King at the George Sherman Union at 1 p.m. in Metcalf Hall. We hope you can join us for that. Also, a full slate of activities all week going on here at Marsh Chapel. Keep an eye out in your bulletin and also on the chapel website, bu.edu slash chapel, for more details. Uh, a special collection is being taken this morning. Uh, following the service in the narthex, you'll find an opportunity to give toward Haitian relief and also uh, opportunities on the chapel website and in your bulletin to give online if that's more convenient for you. Uh, we do have a full slate of activities for the coming semester we're very excited about. and especially note the Valentine's Day, uh, or pre-Valentine's Day uh, party on Saturday, February 13th from 6, 6 to 8 p.m. It'll be next door at the School of Law. Keep an eye on the chapel website for more details. And... Uh, the opportunity for online giving. We do hope you'll fill out the red pads, especially this first Sunday back this semester, so that we can get to know you and help you get to know each other better. And uh, you can find the red, red pads along the center aisle in the pews, and if you, could, if you could pass them along to your neighbor, we'd much appreciate that as well. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. We make all these our offerings this day in the trust that they extend your presence of love and justice into the world. In the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. 